broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. Ready to rock and roll for the next three hours here on this Friday. This Finish Strong Friday is how we do Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920, live in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. My man, Damon Cotton, behind the wheels of steel. And, of course, your boy Q with you up till 5 o'clock. Got plenty to get to on today's show. It's already been what I feel like a very busy day as we found out the news earlier of the passing of the great Jim Brown. Uh, I never was able to witness Jim Brown in in person obviously, and witnessed his greatness, but um, not foolish enough to think that he wasn't the great, right? I mean, Jim Brown was a fantastic, fantastic player, fantastic athlete, not only not only as a running back, but also lacrosse. He was just, I mean, just a hell of an athlete. So uh, saw the passing of him earlier. I know JT the Brick had a, a really good relationship with Jim Brown. I know he shared a few stories earlier on his show today, so uh, that was great to hear that. So Jim Brown passed away. Then we found out a little bit later on that the Raiders have signed another player to the roster, making it 90 now. They signed guard Greg Van Roten, and he was a guy that, well, is this a a guy that's been uh, in the league a little bit? Uh, He spent last season with the Buffalo Bills. He appeared in 16 games, four starts at center. Uh, He entered the the league in uh, 2012 as an undrafted free agent with the Green Bay Packers, has played with the Carolina Panthers and the Jets. Eight-year veteran lineman, has appeared in 93 career games with 54 starts. So what I say, I tell you this to tell you that uh, that one spot that was opened up after the Raiders released their undrafted free agent that they uh, they did earlier this week where they got back down to 89 men. We talked about it the last couple of days that there was an opportunity for them to uh, either fill that spot with somebody or go ahead and leave it open. And at some point when they feel the need to fill it, they can. Maybe that means some big time veteran like a Marcus Peters, as many people have thought about. Maybe a Marcus Peters is on his way. Well, he did not sign, but the Raiders did sign a guard, Greg Vance. Van Roten, so that makes their roster now at 90. Technically, it's at 91, but their international player doesn't count against that 90-man roster. So those are just kind of a little bit of the house cleaning uh, that we got to do, a little housekeeping before we get really going on today's show. We got a lot to get to on this Friday. Again, very excited about the show because, well, we got a lot coming up on today's show. Coming up at 2.30, Gilbert Manzano, our good friend from Monday Morning Quarterback, SI Now. Uh, He's going to talk all things uh, Raiders, talk about the schedule, talk about the NFC, all the NFC opponents that the Raiders have on their schedule. And they've got a bunch of them, right? They're going up against the NFC North, and then they're going up against the uh, New York Giants as well. So he's been doing a lot of rankings on Monday Morning Quarterback, SI Now. He's been doing a lot of these rankings as far as what the division looks like, the NFC North, uh, who has the best roster. And DeMond, I'll actually go ahead and let the cat out of the bag early. He's got the Detroit Lions with the best roster in the NFC North, and I'm not I'm not a believer in the Lions, but Gilbert Manzano, who we'll talk to at 2.30, and I'll say it to him, has them as the best roster in the NFC North. Q, I think you're being a little clouded. Who, who's better than them in the North? I don't know. I don't know if they're that good. I just, I'm, I'm in a wait-and-see mode. I'm not saying that there's a team that's head and shoulders better than them. I'm just, again, I saw what they did last season, but I'm still not a believer that they're really going to be that good. I'm not believing the hype yet until I see it. Just call me late to the party. That's okay. Sometimes it's better to be fashionably late than get there early, right? You don't want to be the first one to the party, and I don't mind being the last one. So if I end up being the last guy to the party, that's okay, right? <laughs> Everyone knows when I get there, though. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with the analogy, but my point where if, if you were to rank them, we can talk more about this with Gilbert if you want to hold off, but if you were ranking the other three teams, 
I know, like, I feel like you just don't want to give it to them. I just, but I, you can't no, pick someone that's better than them. No, that's what I, I just said. That like, I don't, I don't know who's better. I know Green Bay obviously is in transition with Jordan Love. I believe in Jordan Love. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I really do. I think it's going to take a little while to gel. Wow, you I, believe in that, but you don't believe in the Lions. <laughs> I, I said I believe that I think Jordan Love is going to be a good quarterback. So I think it's going to take some time to gel. Absolutely, right. I mean, it's one thing when you're a good organization. Sometimes you just breed good players, right? I mean, sometimes you're able to put things together. So I don't think Green Bay is going to come out of the gates and be fantastic, but I think that they're going to be probably better than some people expect, at least, you know, week four or five when the when they come to Vegas and play the Raiders. I think that they're going to be a pretty competitive uh, team then, right? Jordan Love's going to definitely have some growing pains, but, I mean, there's a reason why Green Bay was comfortable with moving on from Aaron Rodgers and moving on to Jordan Love and seeing what they what they have in him. They're, they're very comfortable doing that this year, so there's a reason for it. Obviously, they've seen him in practice a lot more than we have, and they know what they got. So it, it, it'll, it'll be interesting, but, I mean, if you look at the NFC North, Minnesota might be the best team if you, if you want to be honest about the situation, and I don't believe in Minnesota because their defense wasn't worth the salt last year, right? So they bring in Brian Flores. I think he's going to make their defense a little bit better. They've addressed it in free agency. They addressed it uh, in, in the draft. So they'll probably have more elements to that defense, but, I mean, I'm looking at – Minnesota, question mark. Green Bay, question mark. For me, and maybe it's just me, and that's okay, Detroit is still a question mark. And Chicago is the only team that I have confidence in that's not really very good. Like, honestly, I don't have any confidence in Chicago, and I think the rest of the division is question marks. That's, I mean, that's me keeping it 100% real, <laughs> right? I, I, I like to think that I have a good pulse of everything, but with that division, I really don't. And that's why Gilbert's going to come on, on the show and he'll talk about those opponents that the Raiders are going to face. But the one thing, like I said at the top, he believes the Lions are going to be really good. So, again, I could be wrong. I'm all right with that. I just am not convinced yet. That's all. That's all I got. Yeah, just when it comes to rankings, for me, it's you got to pick somebody. And I don't know yeah, who's Yeah, but I'm not, really, I'm not really ranking anybody. I'm just kind of looking at the division as a whole. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not really – it's May, May 19th. It's hard to rank somebody. I don't know what they look like. I, I mean – you know, hey, buddy, you're you're killing the machine here. We got we got to keep this thing going until the preseason starts. Got pl- I mean, there's, there's plenty. <laughs> I mean, it, you could still talk about the the teams without just saying, "Oh, this is the best team in the division. This is the second best team." Right? I mean, if you're going off that, then I guess you'd have to say what Minnesota, right? Yeah, we're just going off last year's results. But are we? Do you believe in Minnesota? No, I mean, okay. no. But technically, that would be the best team in the division, then. Yeah, but yeah, but if I, but if we wanted to rank them <laughs> off the talent on the roster, right. I would put them just off the based off the talent because obviously, if you if even if you want to go position group, I'd say Minnesota receiver, head and shoulders better than everybody. Right. But then besides that, yeah, what else do they have? Right. I mean, and, and it depends on how you feel about Kirk Cousins. Like I think Jared Goff is a good quarterback in Detroit, but I don't think he's the end all be all. And I know Kirk Cousins ain't the end all be all. And Justin Fields, the jury's still out on him. And then Jordan Love, there's a big question mark. I, Like I said, personally, I think Jordan Love's going to be good. But there's going to be growing pains. So, again, if there's one division that's got a big, huge question mark on it, to me, it'd be that division. Also, the Raiders are hosting the Giants. So that's the NFC East. Where are they going to be this year? Like, do you believe that that team is going to be a really good team based off what they did last year when they turned the corner enough to get Daniel Jones a contract extension? 
Nah. <laughs> All right, that's see that? Sad. See, that's what I'm saying. Hey, man. Like, you know what I mean? Just because. $40 million, I'm, not, see, not well spent. See, now, you, now you're understanding where I'm coming from when it comes to the Lions. Like, you got to see it again, right, before you believe it in, in Daniel Jones. Oh, yeah, da- Daniel Jones. I believe in Brian Dayball, but it's also I the. I just don't believe in his quarterback. One good season. Right. And people want to anoint him. I know it's probably not getting talked about enough. We, we hear it every day because we're in the thick of it with Josh Jacobs. What's Saquon Barkley? What's his relationship like with that team? Could is he also in a hero turned villain type of mode? I think he's uh yeah, I think he's probably a franchise tag guy. Yeah, I know he's franchise no, tag, I mean, but like, I mean how like, is like one year deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like I think he ends up signing a one year deal just like I think Josh Jacobs is probably gonna sign the one year deal. But I just mean like what's his mindset about right. it? Because Josh Jacobs it's the mindset of how's he gonna come back? You know, is he gonna be disgruntled during training camp? Is Saquon just being the good soldier? Or is it deep down or maybe in the New York media it's the man right. Saquon out here blasting the Giants every chance he gets? We don't know yet because yeah, we're we not that know. close to the situation. Right. But I think I think he's the you know he's was going to turn that offense. They're go, they're going to go as far as he can take them. Right. Well, they addressed a few of their uh, you know their offensive lack of weapons. They addressed a few of those throughout the draft in the offseason as well. So maybe they're going to be a better team. But I'm the I'm just with the Giants. I'm the same way I am with the Lions. You got to show me. You got to show me again because Daniel Jones I don't think is a very good quarterback. And I know that he did well last year for the Giants. I get it. But I like. <laughs> I need to see it again. Just like Geno Smith in Seattle. Show me. Show me again. I'm not a firm believer that he's all of a sudden turned the corner and he's some great quarterback now. I've seen it once. You know, anyone can catch lightning in the bottle once, right? I just I, I want to see consistency. I'm a I'm a consistency type person. I don't want to fall for the banana in the tailpipe where it's like, well, they were good once, so they gotta be good every time. That doesn't necessarily mean that. They could, they could, like I said, catch lightning in a bottle. So Gilbert Manzano will join us. We'll ask him all these questions and a whole lot more coming up at 2.30. Good friend of the show. Definitely looking forward to that conversation. Then at 3 o'clock, Emery Hunt, Sportsline, CBS Sports, football game plan. He likes to join the show when it's the draft time, talking all things draft. We'll go over the Raiders draft class. We've been talking a lot about the draft class as of late. What a, what a, 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 you know, a, a, a successful first year for these guys will look like. So we'll talk to Emery about that. We'll dip into the XFL. I know he's got a little feather in the cap when it comes to the XFL as well. And we'll point out some of the players that the Raiders drafted this past year and ask him, you know, what what he's expecting their production to look like coming up at three o'clock. And uh, I know Demond, you got your finger on the pulse of the XFL, so you guys are probably gonna go off on a little XFL uh, tangent. Yeah, it's the XFL. It was a very exciting spring league, but to me, I, can, I feel like I can say we here, you know, being a part of the broadcast team <laughs> when we traded Luis. Perez, uh, it, it was a head scratcher, and now he's the quarterback of the championship Arlington Renegades. Yeah, but was he very good, though? He, uh, he wasn't very good when he was uh, here. You, when you get the ring, you get the ring. But Q. was he good when he was here? They sh- I don't think they should have traded him. Was he good when he was here? No, but question. you don't just trade him. <laughs> but was he but, good? But it's about the value. You can't no, say. No, it was not. Was he good? He was better than the the replacements. <laughs> okay, Q, so you, you can't, mean, I just you can't ask, trade. I just want you to answer one question. Was he good? Better than the people that were behind him. Is that him. a yes or a no? No. <laughs> okay, that's all oh, I need. That's, but that's not the, that, it's not as cut and dry as that when it comes to it trading is. players. Either you're you, good or you're not. Hey, you're stinking up the joint. But we've already seen <laughs> the guys behind you. They're not going to be no better. So but we what's just the way to hold on to him if he's not any good? Get rid of him. better than you, the options that they had. But they got something for him, right? They got to no. try something. What they get for him? A linebacker, a position that's not really that valuable. Uh, Q, are you really going to trade a play? Let's say, okay, we're talking about Derek Carr. Okay. Like, obviously, it's like the Raiders, let's one. get rid of him. I want to hear this one. If it, was just, if it was just Chase Garbers 
and Aiden O'Connell. Okay. Are you getting rid of Derek Carr? Be like, hey, we're going to make it work with him. We just got to hey, get him out of here. Hold on, man. You're no, 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 no. You're not going to tell me Luis Perez is equivalent to Derek Carr. He's the king of spring, No, Q. no. Okay. There's a reason why he's the king of spring. <laughs> We're talking about spring football. <laughs> not football in the fall. We're talking about spring. Now, if you want to say Aiden O'Connell, Chase Garbers, Luis Perez, and someone else, and you say, you know what? Well, Aiden O'Connell's been stinking it up, and I – I shouldn't say him because he was just drafted. So, okay, Chase Garbers is, is thinking it up. We're going to go ahead and trade him, even though Aiden O'Connell hasn't proven anything. I don't care. That's fine because he hasn't done anything anyway. I'm okay with that. But he's not on a Derek Carr's equivalent. You I'm just saying you can't – I mean, it's you know a new, a new franchise. He gave <laughs> the team the first win in franchise history. And he was probably the only win while he was here. How many wins did they have? Two? Three? And we can talk about that. Yeah. But the point I'm making is I just think it was a bad – I mean, I think you just got attached to a, a, a player. You got attached to a it's name. Not, it's not so much attached to a name. It's just, well, obviously Bob Stoops knew what he was doing with him. Well, I think Bob Stoops – didn't he hang his hat mainly on defense? They still won. Okay. That's okay. All right. Well, we'll I'll let you get into okay, all that. I'll let saying. you get into all that with Emory. All right, when, man. You know what? When you guys start talking XFL, I will exit stage left. All right. This, this, <laughs> I know this isn't going to happen, but I, this is the hypothetical. If Derek Carr won the Super Bowl with the Saints this year, everybody will be saying, why we get rid of it? I don't care yes. if they won every game 17-3. to three. You're talking about a nine-year starter with the NFL franchise, and you're talking about a spring football quarterback. Two different entities. I'm just saying. A spring football quarterback in a startup league that's restarting on a team that stunk. Like, look, we we played their games. We aired them right here on Radio yep. Nation Radio 920. We supported them a lot. We We're supported in the right now. Matter, yeah, you are. Matter of fact, we had a player or a coach on every single week until they stopped answering our calls, and that's not our fault, right? <laughs> they stopped returning our emails. That's fine. No problem. We supported the hell out of them. They just weren't a very good team. That's just the bottom line. Well, how many games did they win in all seriousness? Two? I remember their first win wasn't until like week six. And they had a couple heartbreaking losses, but they just lost They just lost them. How many wins did they get? Entertain okay, me. Okay. You were on the broadcast. How do you not know? Because man, it was a I long season. Man, come on. How many, how many games? How many I, wins did you call? Hey, that's not. <laughs> zero. You called zero, huh? Hey, man. Yeah, we, we can move on, man. If you don't believe in Luis Perez, that's fine. All right. Coming up at 3.30, Derek Duncan, American 7 Football League. That's another football league that's going on right now. It's at 7-on-7, seven seven, no pads, no helmets. Well, the playoffs are coming up. This is basically, I think, the last weekend, and i got to double-check this. I believe it's the last weekend of actual regular season games, and then they'll dip into the playoffs. And right now the Las Vegas team is actually the number one seed or one of the number one seeds uh, across the, the, the division and the, the league. So Derek Duncan, he's joined the show before. He'll join us at 3.30 to talk about what's coming up, talk about a flat football tournament that they're going to be having where you can win like $10,000, a whole lot of different cool stuff. So Derek Duncan will join us at 3.30. Sam Gordon from the RJ, we had him on earlier this week talking about DJ Thomas, the big recruit for UNLV that they landed uh, on Mother's Day. Well, he's going to join us today at 4 o'clock to talk about Devin Haney and Loma. Haney and Loma. Haney versus Loma. It's going to be a big-time fight this upcoming weekend, and we talked about it earlier this week with him that, hey, we're going to have him back on to talk about the fight. And, DeMond, you pointed out that he's actually going to be at the weigh-ins today, right? 
Yes, he's going to be live on site, so that's going to give so a little... So we're talking to him, he's going to be on site? Yes, that's what he said. Nice. Live okay. on site. Maybe we'll be hearing it right in the background as he's on. Perfect, perfect. So Sam Gordon will join us to talk about the fight and talk about the Aces as they get their season started tomorrow as well. They're on the road. The first couple games are on the road, and then Becky Hammond won't be suspended anymore. She'll come back, and then they'll have their first home opener. Uh, and that'll be against the Sparks, and that'll be ring night. So that should be a lot of fun, especially with De'Erica Hamby being on the Sparks now after the trade. And that's basically... De'Erica Hamby is really what got everything started with the trouble with the Aces and Becky Hammond. So that'll be a storyline for another day. But we will talk about the Aces with Sam Gordon as well, as I'm sure he'll be on site. Um, well, he's on site all season long with the Aces. So we'll just get his thoughts on the upcoming season. Then at 4.30, Mo DeKeel, Bleacher Report, the Athletic NBA Podcast. He'll join us. We'll talk all things NBA playoffs as the Lake Show. Anthony Davis was a no-show, but uh, I thought that they let another game slip away. That was a game I felt like they should have won last night. They lost. LeBron. I don't know if it was the altitude. I don't know if it's he's banged up. I don't know if it's because he's 38. I don't know if it's a combination of the of all of it. But he just, when they needed him the most, he didn't look like that guy. And I'm not trying to take him out back, and I'm not trying to, you know, put the put the old man down or anything like that. But, man, he was getting killed on, uh, on Twitter last night. Everyone was roasting him. And I'm not going to go do that. He's had a hell of a career, obviously. But at 38 years old, there was just things that King James doesn't do that he did last night. That was just... I just couldn't believe it. Is this about him missing that layup after he gets the incredible layup, steal? Dunk. I mean, just he just didn't look like himself. Didn't have any lift. I know he hurt his ankle late in the game, but he just started to look like he's 38 years old. And again, I don't know how much that has to do with the altitude. I think that that plays a, a role in it. I think he was dog tired. It'll probably be good for him to get back to LA. But a game that I thought that the Lakers had, and we're going to tie it up and go back to LA at one-one. They found a way to lose. I think too. I think people are realizing they need to realize that this Lakers run, maybe it's a bit of a Cinderella run. The man had 22, 10, and 9, and it's he could have done more. <laughs> well, yeah, because he, he missed. Uh, there was moments that he normally comes through that he didn't come through. I mean, you could look at stats. That's why I never say be a stat watcher. You could watch stats and say, oh, that was great. Just like Jason Tatum the other day had a fantastic game if you look at the numbers. But what did he do in the fourth quarter when they needed him the most? I mentioned that he had the incredible steal but smoked the layup. I mentioned that. No, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm so, no, I know. That's what I'm saying is like, yeah, he had 22. He had whatever the number, the stat line you just read off. But when they needed him, he looked like he was 38 years old and tired. And that's why you have to watch games. Not you, but in general, you have to watch games instead of just clicking on the internet and saying, oh, what was the stat line? Oh, he did fine. No. Nah. When they needed him the most. He wasn't able to come through. So we'll talk to Mo Kill about the Lakers and, and Nuggets as the Lakers find themselves in an 0-2 hole. And then tonight, the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. Can you believe Boston is nine-point favorites in this game? Nine-point favorites in this game. I can believe it because you got to get some. You got to get people nine to put money on it. Nine points is a lot of points. It's though. a lot of points. Wow. I, think I mean, that- the Lakers, and we had, you know, we had the soundbite from Jack Bond yesterday on the show about the Lakers and the Nuggets, and the Lakers were given, they were, they were a, a five-and-a-half-point underdog. How many did they lose by? Five, right? So covered that one. That was a smart play right there. If you took the Lakers in the five-and-a-half, you win. You're good. They only lost by five. I just can't believe Miami is nine-point underdogs in this game. That, that surprised the hell out of me after being up 1-0 in this series. I think it's just the fact that, like I said, I mentioned ESPN, their stats and info, had them at a 3% chance to win in the series. So when it comes to the numbers and the people who are looking at it more analytically than us, they're still saying, no way that Miami's going to win this series. We're looking at the eye test and just saying, but Jimmy got that dog in him. 
Man, but it's I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. A lot. I don't know how it works when it goes to handicapping. Well, but I don't think they're factoring in. Jimmy got that dog in him the way we are. I, they they should. I, I just think that they're giving Boston way too much credit. Nine points is a lot. It's like when we talk about football games and it's like a, a team is double digit favorites or something. I, I usually hesitate when I say, "Oh yeah, that's that's a good play right there." Because man, unless there's just one team is just trash. <laughs> right? A lot of times these games come down to the wire, and especially NBA playoff games, man. I just, nine points to me is a lot. But we'll talk all things NBA playoffs with Mo DeKeel. Uh He's been on the show many times. Bleacher Report, the Athletic NBA podcast. Uh, last time he was on the show, matter of fact, I was uh, during Summer League. He was uh, there. We were live on the set, and uh, hopefully he'll be there again this year. Summer League's right around the corner. I'll be excited to be out there again. Raider Nation Radio 920 will definitely be hanging out at Summer League. So, as you can tell, we have a loaded show. You can tell that we don't agree on anything, so it should be fantastic. Gilbert Manzano joins us at 2.30, Emery Hunt at 3, Derek Duncan at 3.30, Sam Gordon at 4, and Moda Keel at 4.30. Of course, in the meantime, in between time, we want to hear from you as well at 702-365-9200, plus at don'tbebroke.com, text sign at 69187, keyword r Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. So we've been talking about the Raiders rookie class and who could do what and what production will look good and what will be a, a successful season. And one guy that it's hard for me to gauge is Aiden O'Connell, the fourth round pick out of Purdue, the quarterback. And the reason it is because, one, ideally, you never see Aiden O'Connell at all in 2023. Like, nobody wants to see him in 2023. If you see him in 2023, that means Jimmy G's not playing. And whatever they feel like with Brian Hoyer, whatever the case may be. But ultimately, if you see Aiden O'Connell on the field in 2023, something went wrong, right? And so I don't want that. I want the Raiders to have the best chance to, to win. But there's some that have called the show here on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 or my podcast and believe Aiden O'Connell is the next coming. Like, he's going to be the franchise quarterback for the Silver and Black. I'm not in that camp. I feel like he's going to be a backup and maybe a good backup, but he's going to be a backup. But this is just off of, again, going off the eye test. We've had guys on the show talking about O'Connell from Purdue that will say, okay, this is what he does really well. This is what he doesn't do really well. But it just seems like that there is such a split and a divide on what this guy could potentially do and what he can't. If, and and I'm, I'm in the camp of, hey, if he develops into a franchise quarterback, great, fantastic. I just think in 2023, you got to have a little mobility to you, and that's what he doesn't do. And he gets the ball out of his hand quickly. He throws some picks, but he gets out the ball out of his hand quickly, and he does have a sharp, sharp brain, right? I mean, like between the ears, he's figured it out. So we've had plenty of people hit us up and, ask, and talk about uh, Aiden O'Connell one way or the other. So the question that I want to throw out there, and then I want you to hear a call that I got from my guy, Big Nate, who's actually a Steeler fan. The question I have is, what do you think Aiden O'Connell will end up being? Like, who do you think he'll end up being for the Raiders and in the NFL? Can he be a potential franchise quarterback, or do you think he'll be a glorified backup? And again, it's going to be hard to judge. We'll see a lot of them in training camp. We'll see a lot of them during the preseason. And hopefully, we don't see any of them during the regular season. But I do want to hear from you. Again, 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. Who do you think Aiden O'Connell will end up being for the Raiders and also in the NFL? Before you get to, to calling in and texting in and we get to your thoughts, I want you to hear my guy, Big Nate, who called in on my Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, and he's a Steeler fan. Let me let, let, me let it be known. He is a Steeler fan, but he's also an Aiden O'Connell fan. How you doing, Q? Big Nate, Steeler fan, Cali. Just wanted to uh, chime in, man. I hear a lot of uh, Raider Nation giving props to Aiden O'Connell. And if you remember, I called you 
right after the uh the draft, man. I told you that was my number one uh exciting draft pick for you guys. I was I was I was jealous. I'm 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 a big fan of Aiden. I love his game and I think he's gonna be a great quarterback for you guys in the future. Being behind Jimmy G, we know Jimmy G is not the guy for the uh for the long term and hopefully Aiden O'Connell is and uh you'll see what I've been talking about. But I wanted to ask you um this question is about the quarterback situation. I know you guys have the bye week in week thirteen this season. What record do the Raiders have to be to basically change quarterbacks at the bye week? Um, if that becomes an option. Thanks for taking my call. Have a good day. So there he goes. That's Big Nate. It's Big Steeler fan right there. Again, he called in my voicemail line on my podcast. And first of all, the, the question that he asked at the end about changing quarterbacks, I think the only way the Raiders change quarterbacks is if there's an injury. I think this is Jimmy G's year, and that's just what it is. I don't think the rec- record matters. I think Jimmy G is going to ride that thing out unless he's injured. And, of course, you don't root for injury at all. But that's the way he gets onto the field, in my opinion. That's how they make, make a, a change. But going back to his call about Aiden O'Connell, as you heard, DeMond, he's very high on him. Like he said that that was the pick that he was jealous of. Of all the picks that the Raiders had, that was the one he looked at and was like, damn, that was the one that got away. Like that sounded like the girl that got away, right? Like that's how highly he was talking about him, and I just don't see it. I don't either. Where it's a uh, shout out to you, Big Nate, but I don't see the uh, infatuation <laughs> with Aiden O'Connell. It could be one of those, hey, we're wrong, but like you said, like maybe about you and the Lions, I'll be late to the party on this one as well. <laughs> but for me, I think it's people are in, getting enamored, infatuated with the uh, Brock Purdy's of the world. Those every, every team is looking for their diamond in the rough, that guy that's going to come off the bench and have his movie moment. Everybody that's drafted past the second round at quarterback, guys, isn't that guy. I know you want you know your guy to be that guy, but odds are he's not. I think the worst thing that could have happened to Aiden O'Connell, and this is no fault of his own, was the fact that so many people came out immediately after he was drafted and was like, man, he's very Tom Brady-like. Like, you can't put that on him. <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Like, don't put that on him. He's very Tom Brady-like. Ah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to do that. Like, I've seen people uh, say that about Will Levis. Like, oh, man, look who his, his release looks like. He looks like Aaron Rodgers. Like, don't do that to him. Yeah, I did. I said Brock Purdy because he's the most recent example. Right. But, yeah, but Tom Brady's the all-time example right. of a hey, six-round pick. Right. You never know when you can find your franchise and, guy. And, and you're right. I mean, you don't know where you're going to find your franchise guy. But I just, again— to me, and I will have no problem being wrong, I just look at a guy, and again, I feel like mobility is major, and I feel like it's been shown time and time again that you need to have a little bit of mobility, and that's just something that he doesn't have, right? And that's just, so that's just me. But there's a lot of people that probably watch a lot more Purdue football than I did. Like, I'm going to keep it a buck. I'm not acting like I, I watched a ton of Purdue football. That was not appointment li- watching for me in 2022 or any other season, Right, So I'm not going to act like that that was. So maybe someone else knows better than I do. And maybe Big Nate's right. But I do want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. What, what do you think Aiden O'Connell's going to do in the NFL? What do you think Aiden O'Connell's going to do for the Silver and Black? Raider X, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, brother. Hopefully he's more diamond than rough. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. Damn. Hey, so you know what? Listening to all the, the calls and the information you guys have been spewing out there and getting from the callers, you know, I have a question, and, you know, maybe that we can run with that one a little bit, is, is he not mobile, or is it just that he can't scramble? Because I'm hearing that, you know, he, he does have the ability that he's mobile, and he actually has some pocket awareness. So does that give him the ability to extend plays and move around kind of your Ben Roethlisberger type, you know, moving around that pocket and escaping, you know, that tackle? That was one of the big knocks 
on uh, Derek Carr right. was that he just was oblivious, and dudes just sneak up on him like peekaboo, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, they're just hitting him, and but that he didn't. He, he thought he was just like all safe, you know, and cuddly in there, and um, you know, it's just you know that that's that's my question. But you know, I want to kind of do- go go back real quick while I got you on the line. I had called up, you know, your your your, your show. And I really wanted to get some insight from you guys and maybe even and Vinny and, and kind of get some uh, insight of, you know, you got these guys that signed, that signed their contract, these new rookies. And I wanted to know, is there anything that precludes them from going in there and actually, you know, being at, at the facility and getting their exercise on, start getting on a, on a plan and getting on a diet, start diving into that playbook and, you know, saying, uh, look, look at Tyree Wilson. Okay, so let's say he starts eating right. You know, not eating that, you know, that dorm food and getting out there and hanging out at the park with, you know, with Chandler and, and Max. You know, and maybe he didn't even walking through. And obviously he's not going to be running. Right. But start doing that kind of stuff and hitting some other type of weights and other things. Just like to get that because I think that will fast track what you were talking about all week of what can we get out of some of these, you know, rookies. And and if because they all look like they got heck of a side of upside. I mean, just heck. I mean, the upside looks crazy. Because they picked, they picked a lot of foundational players. And what are foundational players? They're things to build on. And I think that if, given the opportunity and given the structure that they're laying out with the Raiders right now, it looks like those are things that we can grow upon. And I think that's what we're looking at with Adrian O'Connell. Uh, you know, seeing that he has those skills. And maybe, like I said, he can sit there and we can get that. Obviously, he's not going to sit there and giddy up, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, so. Any any of those long range, you know, quarterbacks right. sit there and do it, you know, and, and get up all the way downfield and and have these hundred yard runs. But if he can be mobile and pick up those, you know, those first downs sporadically through the game or when they need it, that's good enough for me, bro. All right, hey, good call, man. Thanks for so much. And I'll just say this: you can have, you can be at the facility once you sign your contract and you're an employee of the. T- you can be at the facility all you want and doing work individually. But when it comes to like OTAs and that's a certain amount of time limit, there's there's all these rules and regulations in the CBA that you can actually have like supervised or coached up time, but you could be in the facility, you know, hitting the weights every day if that's if that's your thing. Like they always say, Max Crosby's the first one in, last one out. I mean, you could do plenty of individual work. It's all about supervised work. Thanks so much for the call. 229 is the time. When we come back, Gilbert Manzano, Monday morning quarterback, will join the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Question we threw out there, dolbybroke.com, text sign 69187, keyword R&R. Based off the call from Big Nate, Steeler fan wants to know about Aiden O'Connell. What do you think Aiden O'Connell is going to end up doing in the NFL? Who can he potentially be for the Raiders and in the league in general? That's the question that we threw out there to you. 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200 when we don't have a guest. Just feel like that there's a lot of split opinions on who he can be. And obviously, none of us really know until we see it, which is fine. It's a good conversation to have, so uh, feel free to chime in on the don'tbebroke.com text line. Again, 69 69- 187 keyword R&R. Also, we got a text from Just Win Wendy, and Damon, you'll feel good about this. She said, Damon is right. It was a stupid move to trade Luis Perez. They were starting to win games with them. They just gave up 
Signed a different quarterback at the end of the season. They were terrible. Harry and DeMond did a great job. The Vipers, not so much. I was a Battlehawks fan most of the season. A.J. McCarron and Bruce Gretkowski and others were fun to watch. That's just win Wendy. And, yeah, they were starting to win games. They won two all season. I so. was loving the text up until the Battlehawks fan part. There you go. There you go. But it's always good to hear from just win Wendy. We do appreciate her. And we do appreciate our next guest, Gilbert Manzano, Monday Morning Quarterback, SI Now at GManzano24 on Twitter. And, Gilbert, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Wanted to get into a conversation about the Raiders, who they're going to be facing this year. And I know that you've been doing a lot of features on NFC teams, and they're facing the NFC North, and they also have the Giants. They have them uh, coming to town as well. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. And let's start off with the NFC North. want to ask you about the Green Bay Packers. There's a lot of questions when it comes to what they're going to look like this year because of Jordan Love, the big unknown. How do you think Jordan Love does, just in general from him, his first year as a, as a starting QB in Green Bay? Yeah, you know, that's a big question there. We, we don't know how Jordan Love's going to do as a first-year starter, but I think it's a unique situation because he's been learning from Aaron Rodgers the last three years, so he, I don't think he'll play like a rookie. Yeah, he'll have his mistakes every now and then, but, you know, one thing that I go back to was a game last year against the Eagles when he came in and relief work for Rodgers who got hurt, and he was doing a comeback, and, you know, I, I, I was watching those 10 snaps. Not a lot, it's not a lot of snaps, but he made some good throws. He's mm-hmm. mobile. Uh, he's that you know athletic, a great away from the pocket, uh, strong arm. Uh, he, he definitely has a cannon. So, and the, the thing that really stood out to me was how composed he was with the offense with Matt Lafleur, and, and maybe you know less is more approach for Matt Lafleur because I feel like with Aaron Rodgers for so many years, he was kind of just you know running the show, you know doing audibles, you know doing checks at the line of scrimmage and just chaining it up, chaining the scheme up. So we never really saw Matt Lafleur's scheme you know totally flourish. So maybe with Jordan Love. There's something there when it comes to like a composed command to the playbook. So I'm higher on Jordan Love than most people. I'm not going to write off the Packers. And the other thing, to, uh, a cue about it is like the the defense. There's a lot of veterans on that defense. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have Preston Smith, uh, Rashawn Gary, uh, Jair Alexander, uh, Devondre Campbell. So overall, this Packers team, I, I think, will still make some noise. I know the Lions are getting love, but I I, I do like the Packers a little bit. Yeah, we're going to get to the Lions and that love in just a little bit. But I did want to ask you again about the the quarterback position there in Green Bay. Is it possible? that the Green Bay Packers catch lightning in a bottle three times. They go from Favre to Rodgers to Love, and all three of them end up being really good. What's the chances that it happens in Green Bay? Yeah, I think it's a good chance, and maybe it's the worst way to judge it. But if you look at the quarterbacks in the 2020 draft, they've all been pretty good or at least been productive. You know, Joe Burrow obviously has been a stud, and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. So why not Jalen? I'm sorry, why not Jordan Love? And you know, keep it going there, five for five, or these uh, these top quarterbacks there. And, and, and it must suck for Jordan Love to see all these guys do well from the 2020 draft, but just be itching to go. And you know, I think the one thing you you do if you kind of you read back on the things with Jordan Love, he, he wasn't ready. He was like this raw prospect, but he had all the the skill set, like maybe like a Justin Herbert. But, you know, Herbert got to unleash it much quicker. So maybe in a way it will be similar to the, to the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers situation. It's, a, it's so uncanny how, how similar it is where, you know, Aaron Rodgers had to wait his turn behind a Hall of Famer, Brett Favre, and now here we go again with Jordan Love doing the same thing with, with uh, Aaron Rodgers. So I think in a way it will help him out. And we saw the blueprint already with Rodgers, so maybe they do something well. And the only thing that's, that's really concerning about this offense is that they're so young. Like it's a lot of first-year or second-year players, like, I really like Christian Watson, the wide receiver. He mm-hmm. impressed me when I covered the game against the Rams. It was yeah, against the Rams on Monday Night Football. Uh, he stood out. He's going to be a playmaker. I feel like a breakout player. But then you got the two tight ends at Musgrave and uh, 
uh, Tucker Craft there. And obviously, the running back is still pretty good, Aaron Jones. So the offensive line is a little shaky, so that, that could maybe hurt Jordan Love. But I saw him extend some plays in, in that start against the Chiefs. It was a little erratic play, but he can extend plays. And also that, that game against the Eagles, the defending NFC champions, I think that, that said a lot to me. So the Packers come to Las Vegas week five. The next NFC North team that the Raiders play is the Chicago Bears. And I'll tell you, Gilbert, every team in that division I have a question mark about because I'm not too sure how good they're going to be. This team in Chicago is the only one that I feel pretty confident saying they're not going to be good. Am I wrong in that, in that <laughs> assumption that they're not going to be a very good team this year? No, you're not wrong, but they're going to be better. Like last year, the, the roster was like, okay, this, this is a JV roster. They got so many holes on the depth chart. They can't compete. Now they, they, they went out and signed so many players that were quality players to like, okay, you look at the depth chart, it's pretty nice. They could compete and win maybe five or six games, but – I think when the GM, Ryan Post, took on that project in Chicago, he probably was thinking, okay, it's going to take maybe two to three years to really get into a competitive standpoint. And I think he really attacked the trenches because the offensive line, defensive line, like it it was a problem, especially for Justin Fields when he got sacked 91 times the last two years. I think he felt comfortable in Justin Fields to get him a DJ Moore, to draft a Darnell Wright. Like, like, if you look at a roster and they have, like, five or six guys, okay, that could be a pro bowler. You could build off of that guy. I think you're in the right direction, but I, they won't be good. But I think the way they should view it, especially your Chicago fans in Las Vegas, uh, they're going in the right direction under a GM and, and Ryan Poles. Like, I, I, every time I see a video of Ryan Poles, like, he's a very serious dude. So I mm-hmm. think he has kind of that that killer uh, instinct to make this roster uh, you know, do well, maybe in 2024. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you hit it right on the head when you talk about Ryan Poles, man. When we were at the Combine, he was sitting right behind me because he was at the table, the ESPN Chicago table. He's sitting right behind me, and I did feel like there was a cold-blooded killer standing behind me, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see that too, man. Spot on. Yeah, man. I was like, I don't know. This is not my bag. I don't really like people behind me, and this guy is a large man that does not look like he's too friendly. Let me ask you this about Chicago, and then we'll move on to the next team. How big of a year is this for Justin Fields to prove that he could be the guy? Oh, it's huge because now the, the excuse is not there. They had no weapons, uh, no protection. Uh, and then you see year three is when you really ascend. Like, I feel like for the first-round quarterbacks, like, unless you're like Zach Wilson and you just got a, a terrible hand that you're, you're just, you know, so erratic out there and you don't really show glimpses of flashes, like, you know, you've got to get at least two or three years. And I know with the Jets, they pulled the plug, but every situation is different. But I think with Justin Fields, the biggest thing was year two, you saw the flashes. He's a dynamic player, and yeah, he's more, you know, at the time, a run-first quarterback because he had a run for his life. He had a terrible offensive line. He got sacked 55 times, <laughs> but then you, you look at the stat sheet, he had 2,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing, so, you know, you, you kind of combine it together, and you got over 3,000 yards there, so, you know, he, he, he could be a dangerous weapon, and he's not Lamar Jackson as a thrower, but this could be the year where he could show that he put it together when you have a DJ Moore, and I know DJ Moore is maybe not a a bona fide number one, but he's a really good player. Uh, you got Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool and Cole Komet. Uh, but and I, speaking of having an edge, uh, you know, edge away the away from the field, I think Darnell Wright will have the edge on the field. He looks like that bouncer at the club that won't let you in. So, uh, and and he's, he's always, you know, shooting out people on Twitter. So he, maybe he goes a little too far, but you like that edge from your offensive lineman. So I think that will help out Justin Fields. And I think he needs to put it together as a passer. And if he does. 
you don't think about Caleb Williams and Drake May. You think about Justin Fields for the future. You know, and if you have an offensive lineman that's going to protect his quarterback uh, on the field like he, uh, you know, fights people off on Twitter, then you got something good going for you. So uh, that's not a bad thing. Like you mentioned, again, Gilbert Manzano from uh, Monday Morning Quarterback is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. And then right after the Raiders take on the Bears, they've oh got boy, the Lions we in Week 8. Here we go. And they are ranked number one in your rankings in the NFC North. I mean, a lot of people are buying into the hype. Q's not, but At you all. even wrote Jared Goff, Mr. Perfect. That's his nickname on Pro Football Reference. I didn't come up with that. Okay. He is coming off a sensational season. Why do you think that <laughs> Lions roster is so good? Yeah, you know, DeMond, I'm going to keep it real. You know, I did a couple of stories that made it a little confusing because I, I did one for uh, predictions, and I actually had the Packers beating the Lions in the NFC North. There's something about the Lions that I'm not totally sold but for that story, it was based on rosters, and I, and I think they're stacked. But maybe we, we agree on the lines there because, for me, you know, I covered the Chargers for four years, and there's something about getting over that hurdle of being a winning franchise, you know, showing they can win close games. Like, you've got to get that out of your system. Like, I, I know maybe it's not a stat thing, but until you prove to me that you can win big-time games, and I know they, they won a lot, I think 8 out of 10 in uh, 2022, but every year is different, so... You know, from the roster standpoint, I think I think they're, they're loaded. The, the position that I don't really like is the front seven. Besides Aiden Hutchinson, they don't really have a lot of pass rushers. They, they need more help in the interior defensive line. And a couple of Lions fans got into my mention saying, like, you know, these rookies, these second-year guys are going to do well. But maybe that's me as a national guy. I don't watch them every single day. Uh, but, you know, you know a guy is a real player when, when you, you kind of, you know, just scatter the full, the full national landscape. So I think they need some help there. But overall – and then the other part, too, Damon, is like the Jameson Williams won't be around for six games. Like, that's going to hurt them, too. But, and then can you ask Jared Goff to do it again? I, I think so, because Jared Goff did it in 2021. And then last year, you know, 29ers uh, touchdowns and seven interceptions is not too bad. But the, the NFC North is a little down. So maybe they do enough to get it done. But I don't think they're like, the, you know, the, the Cowboys or the Eagles or the 49ers and even the Seahawks. Like, I think there are levels to it, and I feel like the Lions are maybe a tier below, but I do like them. Gilbert, you were supposed to That's support my I'm argument, not destroy it. <laughs> That's my dog. And you say they don't have pass rushers. What about James Houston? He had eight last year. He's only going to yeah. get better, right? I mean, yeah. now I'm turning into the Lions defender here. I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah. go ahead. No, I, no, I feel you. It's like I go back and forth, but I think for me it's more that you know the unknown of you know, of being a winning franchise. Like I looked it up, mm-hmm. they haven't won divisions since 1993. Like the NFC North didn't exist exist back then. It was the NFC Central. So I think part of that get over it, uh, and then they have like that big Week One game against the Chiefs. Like that's going to be a big indicator of how far they've come. But I just don't like the front seven, and to me that's big. Obviously, the, the back end is pretty good when you got a Cameron Sutton, a Emmanuel Mosley, a CJ Garner Johnson. Like they really revamped that position, but you need guys up top to to really get it going. And so we'll see. You know, these guys, you know, like you know Hutchinson and Houston, they do something, but even in the middle there. I uh, could be a problem for them. And Gilbert, I'm not really hating on the Lions. I'm just saying I want to see it again. That's really that's that's my yeah. whole thing. I'm just not sold on them. And I was just like, okay, I don't mind showing up to the party late. I just don't want to be the fool to show up first. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that comment, that's kind of what the Chargers last year. I kept saying the Chargers are finally going to put it together. And here we are with the Chiefs being the Super Bowl champions. I'm tired of being caught off guard. Exactly. I'm right there with you. Again, we're talking with Gilbert Manzano here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. The Vikings, they're another team that was really good last year, but it was kind of fool's gold, right? They won a lot of close games, and and then you saw how it all shook out. Their defense wasn't worth the salt. They bring in Brian Flores. How much more improved do you think Minnesota is this season? 
I think they got worse. And usually, when you look at the you know the stat, there are stats for this one. Uh, when you win so many one score games, it's gonna even out the next year. So yep. it might even go opposite and lose eleven one score games, and it could be a, a bad year for Minnesota. But the reason I say that, not just off of the one score games, is like they haven't even committed to Kirk Cousins for the for the next year. Like they could they could get rid of the contract after you know this year. And that kind of tells me he's kind of like a lame duck. Like you know what? Uh, we got to pay you this year, and let's just kind of get it over with, and then move on to the next quarterback. They, there was even reports about them wanting Trey Lance, so that kind of like just hovers like a a black cloud that like they don't really want Kirk Cousins around, and that could really you know just you know go down to the rest of the roster. Like I do like the Jordan Jordan Addison uh, draft pick there because I thought Justin Jefferson was going to get like you know two thousand catches uh, next year because he's the only guy on there, and then they might even just let go of Dalvin Cook. Another hit there. Uh, so Darius Smith got traded. The secondary was really awful last year. I know Brian Flores is in, and they, they drafted a couple of dudes, and they got Byron, Byron Murphy Jr. from the Cardinals. So, but they, they need a, a lot of help there. You know, Daniel Hunter's still a guy, but defensively, they need help. And, you know, offensive line, besides the left tackle, I think they're a shot. Like, it, it, it's a lot of help there. So, you know, I do like the Lions and the Packers much better than the, the Vikings, but something about not committing to Kirk Cousins and then, you know, letting go of so many veterans like Adam Thielen and Eric Hendricks. That tells me they're getting ready for 2024. And maybe they'll make a splash next year, but this year's kind of like, a, you know what, let's get it over with and we'll figure it out next year. And before DeMond gets into it, he wants to ask you about your C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young uh, piece that you have out right now. I did want to ask you real quick about the Giants and the NFC East. Can Brian Dayball work that magic with Daniel Jones again year two, or was that a one-and-done type thing? You know, maybe it won't be the direct answer, but I think he can. I think Brian Day was a great coach, and you know, he, he did a lot of good things with with Daniel Jones. And maybe they got too excited for some improvements from Daniel Jones, and then they paid him that massive contract. But you know, in the NFL, sometimes having a turbo so turbo so big uh, game manager does enough. I think the defense is pretty good. Uh, you know, they got like they don't have a number one wide receiver, but they got seven dudes on there. They can actually form a track team, a four by one uh, relay team with uh, Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton, uh, Paris Campbell. They got Darren Waller. Obviously, you guys know that the trade there for, with the Raiders. So they got some dudes, and Saquon Barkley too is back. They even paid Dexter Lawrence. I do like the Giants overall, but then you got to compete with the the Cowboys and the and the Eagles, and it's kind of like eh, maybe they'll do the same thing and be a wild card team and. One of the worst places you could be in in the NFL is just be average and kind of do the same cycle over and over again. When they paid Daniel Jones, that's what I was afraid of for them to kind of be in that cycle to win nine to ten games and then be out in the wild card or not make the wild card. So we'll see what they do, but I think coaching does go a long way, and we'll see what Brian Dable does. All right, when you talk when you talk to C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, it's refreshing to see two guys that obviously they're competitive on the football field, but to just have such a genuine friendship. How much fun did they have telling you about the friendship, and where did this all start? Yeah, you know what? You know, they're on a kind of a backstory. Like they just finished having uh, lunch with Tom Brady and Travis Scott and uh, Michael Rubin, and they were chatting with Michael Vick before me, and they sit down with this guy. Like, who's this guy? Gilberto Monsano. Uh, why do I, why do I got to talk to this guy when I just had an inter- interview with uh, Tom Brady? So it was, it was tough. Uh, CJ was kind of looking down at his, at his phone, and, you know, I just kind of just started talking to him about their friendship, and the CJ started lighting up. And, you know, you know Bryce Young is also kind of, you know, reserved, but when you got him going about stories from back in the day, growing up in L.A., competing in eighth grade, and, you know, playing each other, you know, October 29th, Texas against the Panthers. They really opened up, and they got to a point where, like, it felt like I wasn't even there. They were just kind of, like, just talking back and forth, having a road session. And I thought it was pretty funny. I added all that whole, the entire scene there, them just making fun of each other. Maybe it kind of felt like it was too long. But you know what? I just liked it and wanted to just kind of touch on their, their friendship because 
it is unique. You know, quarterbacks being one and two, grew up in Los Angeles. You know, the first black quarterbacks to ever do that in the NFL to be drafted one and two, they go to their hometown for their first business trip. They're together. They're hanging out with Tom Brady. And then on Friday and Saturday, they're going to get to see their new jerseys with their families. So I think overall, it was kind of like, you know what? You know, I know I'm not Tom Brady, but let's sit down and kind of analyze what you guys have been doing the last month or so. And it was, and I think they, they, they enjoyed the reflection time because in the NFL, you're a franchise quarterback. It's so whirlwind. And I think from that standpoint, they really enjoy just to kind of, you know, you know, soak it all in the past and then maybe in the present and what's to come. And, and it was just unique because they do have a lot on their plate, not just from, a, you know, helping the team win. It was more like, well, you also got to be a brand. You got to be you know, mm-hmm. a businessman. And, and we were kind of learning about all of it together. And, and uh, they were telling me what they learned from Tom Brady. And, and C.J. Stroud, man, I got a competitive guy. And he was like, yeah, Tom Brady messed up by giving me the blueprint because now I'm going to go chase down all his records and things like that. And he, he kept telling me, too. Like, I don't, I don't know if it was a warning at me, but he was like, yeah, I like when people write th- negative things about me. You know, when people got a critique, they got a job to do, but I want to prove them wrong. And, like, he, he kept showing that competitive side. And you could tell with Bryce Young is kind of like a quiet assassin. And uh, CJ Strzok just kept saying good things about this guy, like, like he's a real deal. Oh, no, don't tell me we lost him. Don't tell me we lost him. Did we lose him? Did we lose him? Is he there? Oh, no, we lost him. Well, good stuff right there with Gilbert Manzano. Uh, unfortunately, got cut a little short there. It sounded like his uh, phone, he hit a dead zone. He must have been driving or walking and hit a dead zone. That's what happens on our old trusty cell phones. But good stuff from Gilbert Manzano, Monday morning quarterback, SI now on Twitter at GManzano24. 2.52 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out hour number one. It's Rare Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. The conversation with Gilbert Manzano was so good and it got cut short, so we had to finish it out the right way. So Gilbert's back joining us now on the phone lines. And Gilbert, we do appreciate you for reconnecting. You were talking about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and that interaction, and that was a hell of a story right there. So what else did you learn from your time talking to Bryce and C.J.? Yeah, you know, sorry about that again. You know, I guess I get some I get some extra extra time here, so uh, <laughs> I appreciate you guys for that. And uh yeah, you know, I, I think he's just a, a, it's a competitive, you know, like I mentioned, I think with CJ Stroud, he's a competitive guy. And then it got to a point where, like, I guess it got it got too, like, uh, emotional or, or too much, talking too much about the friendship and the feelings that CJ was like, you know what, hold on. We're still competitive. Like, whatever we do, us, you know, we're, we're good friends. You know, no matter what it is, we're going to be competitive. And I think after that point, CJ was kind of holding back. He's like, you know, off the record, I don't want to say too much. But, like, you know, when, when he meets Bryce Young, he's going to go at it. But then they, they – they kept saying, you know what, we got to win the jobs first because he has to fight against Davis Mills and, you know, Bryce Young has to go against Andy Dalton. So you kind of like that mindset, like nothing's given to you. But we know when you're drafted one and two, eventually you're going to be the starter and it won't take long for them to get to, get to the field. But I do like that mindset where you switch it on where, like, you're competitive, you also got to be in the moment and you got to earn it too as well. All right, they said they were Shaq and Kobe. Who's Shaq? Who's Kobe? <laughs> I would say well, if you're going based on height here and size, then uh, Bryce Young is definitely uh, Kobe Bryant, and then you got uh, CJ Stroud as Shaq. And I think even the person I is kind of like that because uh, CJ likes to talk, and, and Bryce is kind of like that quiet, uh, you know, mama mentality. He'll get you, but like uh, I think that was part of the story. It was like you know, Bryce Young didn't want to say too much to me, but when CJ kept kind of poking at him, he started talking like, "All right, you're not gonna keep doing that to me." And when he when you go too far with Bryce Young, he comes at you. And, and my colleague Connor Orr wrote a pretty good story at. Uh, SI.com, like a cover story on Bryce Young, and he kept saying, he had this great quote there where, like, you know, Bryce Young was in, in high school, you know, modern day, and he was just crushing teams out here in the in, in the L.A. area or, or, I guess, Orange County area. 
and this one team he was playing, you know, was overmatched and jumped out to 21 to zero. But they kept playing cover zero against a guy. Like, you would think you would adjust and stop playing cover zero. And I think the quote was that Bryson saying, I won't stop stop attacking until they get out of cover zero. So things like that, like, I think the Panthers should look out for, like, he's quiet, but he'll come at you. What quarterback, just your gut feeling, ends up being the better quarterback in the league? Like, we, we look at quarterbacks and we know every one draft is not going to be really good based off where they're selected. But out of those two guys, which one do you think has the opportunity to be the most um, the most uh, successful? It's tough because, you know, in the NFL, we see the numbers. Like, if you're, you're too small, you're not going to really do well. Like, like even Kyle Murray has, has his flashes, but he struggles at times. Baker Mayfield never really did anything. Yeah, we've seen Russell Wilson do something, but, you know, he's kind of a bigger guy, sturdy. Like, that's the thing on Bryce Young. He doesn't have the, the size. But, you know, I, I kind of want to lean Bryce Young because okay. I think he has a better situation with the Panthers. And I think he, he's more cerebral where, you know, with the pre-snap. Uh, he knows how to read defenses, and that really gets you going. But then, like, you see all these videos on Twitter, and I think it's dumb, and people are making fun of him. Like, okay, he's, he's at the rookie minicamp, and he's too small over to see over the offensive line. Like, this guy played SEC football. He won the Heisman, Heisman Trophy. I know they're not the same thing, but we've seen enough where I think that whole, you, you know, extending plays. Like, he has his backyard style of football, too, and he's really smart. Uh, and then he is kind of his quiet assassin. Like, I know that the size is going to be the issue, but when you could be a quick processor, read defenses, and you got guys like, you know, you know Adam Thielen and Jaden Hurst and Miles Sanders, not the craziest trio, but they know how to play. They know how to make plays for you. And the offensive line is pretty good. Uh, again, they don't stand out, but they have a lot of good quality players. And the coaches have a Frank Wright, uh, the OC Thomas Brown, who I got to know with the Rams is pretty good. You got Josh McCown, the quarterback's coach. So situation is better there. But C.J. Stroud, yeah, he has the, the rocket arm. He's really accurate. Might be more accurate than, than Bryce Young. And he has the size. But I think they need more work there. He does have a Lermit Tunswa at, at left tackle. He has some weapons there. Uh, he got uh, Dalton Schultz, the tight end, which is going to be a very sec- nice security blanket. So he has some players, too. So, uh, and, and it's weird, too, because history always says, like, in every draft class, like, it's only one. I think we talked about the Q, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only one dude that kind of comes out in, in the top ten. It's, it's rare for all three or four to do something. Uh, so especially when it's one and two. So we'll see what happens there. But I really do like C.J. Stroud. And when I just, just to talk to him from like a personality standpoint, he's going to earn that locker room. Like he has that, that, that leadership standpoint of also being funny, but being very competitive and kind of putting it together. Well, I think you hit it on the head. Situation definitely matters. So we'll see what happens in Carolina. We'll see what happens in Houston. Uh, we'll see what happens in Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson in Tennessee with Will Levitz as well. Uh, Hendon Hooker, he's there in Detroit with the Lions. The Lions will be facing the Raiders. Maybe Hendon Hooker will be in at that point. Who knows what's going to happen, but uh, these quarterback situations are going to be interesting. Gilbert, fantastic stuff. What, uh, what should we be on the lookout for, man? What are you working on besides the C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young piece? That was fantastic. Yeah, you know what? I'm kind of like blanket on my calendar here, but you know, I think I'm gonna do. A, oh, actually, I do have one. It's kind of a, you know, I know it's a that dead period right now, but we're trying to reach for stuff here. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna analyze the top ten remaining free agents uh, in the NFL. It's actually some, some good names there, so I'll check that out there. Uh, maybe some June first potential cuts, which that's coming up soon. Uh, and then when you get to the dog days of the summer, I'll probably be ranking like, uh, you know, top. Uh, players at every position, like wide receiver. You, you don't think they get people going and kind of stirs up the pot. So uh, <laughs> if, if a racket gets going on a position or whatever it is, maybe Max Crosby is too far down on the edge rushers, uh, give me a call. All right. I like it. I like it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Gilbert, thanks so much, my man. Have a fantastic weekend. Great work, and uh, we appreciate you.
Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it as always. No doubt, no doubt. Great stuff. Good friend of the show right there, Gilbert Manzano, Monday Morning Quarterback SI Now, again on Twitter at gmanzano24. I just wanted to make sure he had an opportunity to, to finish up what we were talking about because that was some really good stuff. Do not do anything. Don't go to the fridge and grab a drink. Don't do anything. We're going to take a quick second break and come back. Emery Hunt from Game Football Game Plan will join the show to talk all things Raiders draft class. This, and we'll start off with some Aiden O'Connell. This is Red Nation Radio 920.